Blessed morning to each one of you. It is a truly a privilege to bring the word to you at the beginning of the year 2017. Let me just uh, start off by reading from scripture before we just say a prayer. My main text is taken from the Gospel of John chapter 8. We will read the scripture. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Father, we just want to thank you for your living word. For you say that your word is spirit and your word is life. And so in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just come before you, Lord, and surrender our hearts, our ears, our lives before you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to have a truth encounter even this morning, O oh Father God. So we just bless you. We just give you thanks. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We know that uh, we have uh, started uh, the year of 2017 even in continuing on from last year. Uh, this year is a year of hope. And uh, our main pastor have shared during the last uh, three, two, two sessions about hope, about different aspects of hope. And we have been so blessed and we have been so challenged. But even as I was thinking of the things to carry on, to align with what we are, the vision of the church, one of the things that came out very strongly that hope is closely linked with the truth of God, closely linked with the truth of how we live our lives. And so we have the, we always see that when we talk about truth, as Jesus has mentioned, it is always linked, it is always based, it is always derived and always originates from God Himself. And Jesus is the revelation from God. So we are in the Gospel of John, and uh, one of the interesting things about the Gospel of John is that in the Gospel of John, truth has a very specific meaning. These are the two main uh, definitions of truth as used by John. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, thank you, Joshua. So in the Gospel of John, truth has... Two very important aspects which, of course, it is in the Gospel of John that we have the, the, the famous uh, verse that we all quote even in our evangelism, even in, uh, in our preaching, even in uh, crusades, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, these are the two main reasons for the use of truth. And the first one is that truth is genuineness or purity as opposed to falsehood. And the second one is that truth is the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. Christ is both the gospel message itself and the messenger of the gospel message. The word for truth in the Greek is aletheia, which means actually truthfulness or faithfulness. And sometimes in your translation in the Bible, depending on which translation you use in the Old Testament, especially uh, truth is sometimes used as faithfulness because in, in, in other words, when we talk about the understanding of truth, it means the faithfulness, the steadfastness, the love of God itself. And that is why we can believe in the truth. That's why we can hold on to the truth. So this year, even as we carry on in the year of hope, it's very important to see that hope is a confident expectation in what God says in the Word of God, what God says that He will continue to do in our lives. And so hope is closely linked to truth. We must hope in something that is true. And so that's why our main pastor continues to, to, to share and to preach according to the Word of God. Because hope rests in an object 
Hope rests in something that is objective. Hope rests in something that is certain, not in something that we wish to happen. I know we all have our own wish list. You know, I don't know whether any of you start your New Year's resolution, but I've given up on New Year's resolution. I've decided to go back to the Word of God and say that this will be my resolution. To read the Word of God, to believe the Word of God, and to believe God because I trust God more than I trust myself. So the, the word truth is mentioned 21 times in the Gospel of John. More times than is mentioned in all the other three synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because truth is a very important theme for the John, because John himself was met the truth. John himself was a lover of the truth. And we know that the Apostle John is also in the, even we have the, the letters of John, is also called the Apostle of Love. And we can only love truly. We can only love fruitfully. We can only love beneficially if we know that we are loving the true reality, the true God, the true person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Also in the Gospel of John, right at the beginning, we have this, and the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Two things that we see here is very important is, and the Word became flesh. The Word means the Logos. That Jesus is the Logos. Jesus is the personal expression of God. If we see God, if we, if we want to know what God is about, if we want to know about our true self, if we want to know about the world, we only have to look to Jesus. We only have to look to what He has said in His Word. And so, the Word is not just with God. The Word is also God. So, it's talking about, John is talking specifically about the second person of the Godhead, Jesus Himself. And we see the two attributes of Jesus is also the same attribute of God. That Jesus, when you see the Lord Jesus Christ, these are the two things, the two very important things that you must be linked with the Lord. And because you link this with the Lord, you link it with God. And that is the word grace and truth. And we know that because of the grace of God, you are here this morning. I am here this morning. You are forgiven this morning. I am forgiven this morning. I am healed. I am well. I am set free because of the grace of God. Grace is something that is unmerited or unearned. It is not something that we deserve. In fact, it is the opposite of what we deserve. And mercy is the reverse. Mercy is God did not give us something that we deserve. God did not punish us for our disobedience, for our sins before we knew Him. So these two things is very important when we talk about the Word, when we talk about our Lord Jesus Christ. When we look at the Word of God, I pray that you and I will have, we, we look through the lenses, whether you're wearing spectacles like myself or not. But when you and I look and read the Word of God, and see the world through the Word of God, what happens is that we can only see the grace of God. We can only see the truth of God. And so how we look at the world, how we look at ourselves, how we look at our future, depends on how we look at Jesus. Because Jesus came in grace and in truth. And truth implies that God is trustworthy, faithful, and reliable. In the beginning of the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Then it ends the, the sentence with, What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. So grace and truth in Jesus Christ came for a very specific purpose, to come and give us life. And many times you see, especially in John, in the Gospel of John, that John uses light and life together. Truth 
and freedom together. Because when we have the light of God, when God reveals Himself in Christ Jesus, when God reveals Himself in the Word of God, we will discover that we can find life in God. We can find salvation in God through the life that has come through Jesus Christ. So we all communicate. All of us communicate. And one of the ways that we communicate is through the spoken word. And when we speak the word of God, when somebody speaks, you can hear his heart. You can hear his mind. So this is the same with the word of God. This is the same with Jesus. Jesus is the Logos because he is the expression of the heart of God. He is the expression of the grace of God. He is the expression of the mind of God. So we are not left by ourselves to decide what God is like. Who is God? What is the purpose for our lives? One of the titles of Jesus is that He is the Alpha and the Omega. It is found in Revelations. That means Jesus Christ is God's last word to mankind. The climax of divine revelation. The Bible that we have in our hand, whether it's in your, in your phone or physically in your hand, is the full and final revelation of God. People may receive vision and dreams, but it does not come to the same standing, the same authority as the Word that has been revealed through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the prophets in the 66 books that we have here in the Word of God. And we know that Jesus Christ is also the eternal Word. He says, the Word was with God. He was in the beginning. We see a similarity in the Gospel of John with the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible. In the beginning, God created. Here in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So it shows the origin of Jesus Christ. Jesus was not created or born only during 2,000 years ago during Christmas. But Jesus is the pre-existent incarnate God who came to be like one of us. And so, truly, truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. Very interestingly, when we look at the Gospel of John, you will notice, in, in, especially in my, my translation, I'm using the NRSV, is that the word very truly, some of your translation will say truly, truly, or Truly I say to you, truly I tell you, 25 times this was used by our Lord Jesus Christ to reveal, to tell us that what I'm telling you is true. Listen to what I'm telling you. I have the authority. I'm not like the prophets. The prophets will say, thus says the Lord. Because they are quoting from what God has spoken. There. They are just spokesmen for God. But when Jesus came, as the full and final revelation, he says, truly, very truly, I tell you. It has the same, same standing, the same authority as if God is speaking to us. And that's why we are so blessed, so privileged to hear the voice of God, to be able to know God, to be able to know the attributes of God, to be able to understand our origin. We know that there are four things that we can know that the world's religion, the people who are seeking for God cannot know. And the four things, the Bible answers the four essential questions that people are asking. People are searching. People go to different religions, different philosophies, different mountains to look for it. It answers, the Bible answers the question of the origin. Where did we come from? How is the world created? How did sin uh, uh, originate? How did Satan came about. Why is the world evil? So, if we, only in the Bible, we can have the origin and why people do what they do. Why people argue. Why people fight. Why people cheat. Why people murder. And it speaks about the origin. The second is meaning. What is the meaning of life? What is the meaning that God has created for? What is the purpose that God has for you and I? What is the hope that God has for you and I? And the third thing, very importantly, that the Word of God and the revelation of God that comes is about morality. It is very sure that God is, makes a distinction between holy and evil, between good and bad, between right and wrong. 
between just and unjust. Only in the Bible, these standards have not changed. But you see right now in the world, the standards is always changing. Now good has become bad and bad has become good. Right has become wrong and wrong has become right. And this happens in the courts. This happens in the government. This happens in the schools because they have twisted. They have turned the world upside down. And this is what Jesus has come to do when He came to be the final revelation. He has come to turn our world right side up to say that this is the truth. And what the world is proclaiming is not the truth. It's the lie. They are all under the influence of Satan. Because Satan is, Jesus says, is the father of lies. He lies and is by his very nature, he's a liar. He's a murderer from the beginning. But when you and I come to know our Lord Jesus Christ, when you and I come to Jesus, there is no lie. There is no deceit. There is no sin. There is no darkness. But Jesus comes to bring the light of God. Jesus comes to make sure and that's why we have the, the, the song even as we sang just now, you know, that the, the, the Word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Jesus Christ is also the creative Word. For He spoke and He came to be, He commanded and it stood firm. We know that all things, that Jesus was in the beginning of all creation. And Jesus is also the spoken word. When Jesus, when God says, let there be, the Son was involved in creation. The Holy Spirit was involved in creation. So every word that God, where God speaks will, be, will bring healing, will, bring, will, will make creation to be whole and what God has intended it to be. And Jesus revealed God's glory in His person, His works, and in His words. But it's something that we need to realize that Jesus, many, many times in the gospel, He never said that I've come to do what I want to do. He didn't say I come to do a delegated job. He says all the time, He says that I, I, see, I speak what the Father has asked me to speak. I come to do the will of God my Father. It's the same that He came to reveal that God is true. Even in the Old Testament, there are many times that the God reveals Himself as a God of faithfulness. The God who is true. The God who never lies. And the Word of God in Romans says that, let God be true and every man a liar. So Jesus teaches only what the Father has given to Him. And the Father is true. To understand His truth, that means God's truth, it is necessary to have faith in Jesus as one who has come down from heaven and is the way to God. You know, at the encounter with the woman in Samaria, the Samaritans were treated like outcasts. They were a mixed group of Jews and Gentiles mixed together. And so they have their own worship, they have their own mountain, whereas the Jews have Jerusalem and the temple. And so when Jesus went to minister out beyond His world to the Samaritan woman, this is something that He counted the words, the truth, of the Samaritan woman, he says that you Jews worship in, in, in your temple and we worship here in Samaria. But Jesus says that now is the time where true worshippers will worship God the Father in spirit and in truth. So in order to truly worship God, it's not the place where you worship, it's who you worship, it's how you worship. And that's why the songs that we sing, the prayers that we pray, the things that is written about the Bible must be tested. Not all songs, not all the prayers that we pray are biblical. It doesn't mean that sometimes these are famous songwriters, famous groups that sing, that everything is biblical. So that's why we have to be careful with the songs that we sing, careful with the words that we say to people. Because Jesus says that you cannot worship God. You cannot worship me in the way you like to worship me. But you will worship me in the way that the Spirit of God has en enabled you to worship. You will worship me in the truth 
that I have revealed to you in the truth that the Word of God has revealed from the Old Testament to the New Testament, not in the way that we like to worship God. Also in the Gospel of John, we see the redemption plan come to fruition and come to fulfillment in the person, in the coming of Jesus. Because he says that he is the true light. He is the true vine and he is the true bread from heaven. So everything that Jesus has come to do is to counter the lies, the deceit, even of the Jews Jewish people of that time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law during that time, they have twisted the Word of God. They have made obedience to their own tradition more important than obedience to the Word of God. They have made rituals to be more important than worship, than giving that comes from the heart. They have made the head more important than the heart. But Jesus says, faith, grace, Obeying, worship comes, starts from the heart, comes from our very inner core of our being. Because a lot of things can come to our mind, but it doesn't come to our heart. But Jesus says, true worship comes when we truly see God as the only light, when we see God as the true vine, when we see God as the only bread from heaven. Also in the Gospel of John, again, Jesus speaks about God, his, God, his Father being the God of truth. He speaks of Himself coming to bear the truth, to be a witness to the truth. And now He speaks about the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth and will lead you and I into all truth. And the Holy Spirit will advance God's cause and judge all counterclaims to truth. So we thank the Lord that Jesus has not left us to ourselves to interpret the Word of God, has not left ourselves to try to disciple what is right, what is wrong, how to interpret the truth of God. Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in you, in I. It's so important that we begin to acknowledge that all of God is truth. The very nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is truth. And so whatever that God says is the truth. And so this comes naturally, that if you and I say, declare that we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the very reason why you are here, why you are in cell groups, why you read the Word, why you come for prayer meetings, why you share the Gospel, because you and I are followers of the truth. And that is why we are disciples of the truth. And you and I must reflect the nature, the very nature of God, who is all truth. Jesus came into the world to testify to the truth and those who belong to the truth listen to Him. And that is the testimony that Jesus gave to Pilate when He was interrogated by Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? He says that this world, this, this, my kingdom is not of this world. I came. I was born and sent to testify to the truth of God. And those who belong to the truth will listen to the truth. And this is how we will start our year, that we will be followers of the truth, disciples of the truth, lovers of the truth, because the one who follows is the way, the truth, and the life. And this is how we grow as Christians. We are sanctified by the truth and set apart from the world. When you say sanctify, it speaks about the ongoing process of God making us into a holy vessel. God doesn't do it at one, all at once because we cannot handle it. Because there are too many things in our life that God is trying to unravel. God is trying to surface. God is trying to deal with those areas. Even for myself, God is still dealing in certain areas of my life. And so, we allow the Holy Spirit to continue to 
make us holy to be more and more like Christ. The goal is to be more and more like Christ, to reflect the one who is true, to reflect the Godhead who is true itself. So the key here is not to start. Do you know that the reason why Jesus spoke these words is that there were many Jews who started to believe in Jesus. But the moment He began to tell them a little bit more of the truth, the moment He began to reveal more about who He is and what He expects of you and I, the moment He expects us to say, if you want to follow Me, you must deny yourself. You must carry your cross and then follow Me. Then you know what happened? After that, many start to drop off. Because it's very hard for people to deny themselves. It's very hard for people to carry their cross. It's not talking about crucifixion. It's talking about obeying the will of God, surrendering your will and says, your will be done. And so to follow Jesus is costly. To follow Jesus is not easy. And that's why Jesus says, the road to life is narrow. The gate is narrow. Not many, few, in fact, the, the scriptures use few, will find it. And I'm glad that we are the few who are here. But few in God's eyes could be millions and millions of people compared to the others who are not at in the kingdom of God. And so one of the key words that we have here, even from the main scripture that I've started with, Jesus says, if you continue, there is a condition that we just cannot start with God and just let it go on automatic. It cannot be on automatic. We cannot say, I've already believed, that's it. Final, close, it's closed, the deal is closed. No. Jesus says you must continue. Continue in what? Continue in believing the truth that as God reveals Himself to us, the truth as the Holy Spirit works in us, the truth as the Word of God begins to convict us, to persuade us, to teach us. Do you know one of the meaning of the fear of the Lord? We know that in uh, Proverbs 9.10, the, the meaning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is inside. Whenever the Old Testament used the word, the fear of the Lord, it actually means the command of God, the law of God, the Ten Commandments, the Mosaic Law, all the laws that have been given. And so fear and the command of God goes hand in hand together. The reason why God gives us a command is to put the fear of God in us. And fear is not to be afraid, again. Fear is to reverence God, to honour God. So the Word of God is also given to us that we might fear God and not fear the enemy and not fear people and not fear the world and not fear the government, but fear God. So obedience to the truth is an indispensable part of faith, living and loving God. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we fear God, if we say, Jesus, you are center of my life. If we sing, Jesus, you are special. Jesus, we love your name. Jesus, we love you. Then the next logical thing, the next natural thing for us to do is to say, yes, Lord, what should I do? with my life. And then we have the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. Throughout Scripture, truth refers to the character of God. He's dealing with His people and the way which they are to deal with others. Again, John, the Apostle, closely linked truth with freedom. Jesus came to set us free from the slavery of sin. Very truly, I tell you, Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Only the truth, only God can set us free from being enslaved, from 
carrying on with the cycle of disobedience, rebellion against God from living a lifestyle that will dishonour God and hurt people. And it is only in Christ that we have freedom. So if we have the truth in our life, if we treasure truth in our life, if we treasure and live by the Word of God, then I can tell you, brothers and sisters, we will continue to enjoy the freedom that God has for us. And we know that Jesus is the anointed one who have come to set the captives free, who have come to release the prisoners, who have come to set free those who are oppressed. And one of the most important oppression, one of the most important enslavement in humankind is enslavering to sin. And Satan is behind sin. So Jesus has come to declare war. And Jesus has come to take back whose are His and you and I. For this I was born, and this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. So as people of the truth, we love Jesus and we love the Word of God. It is a contradiction if we say, I love you, Lord, but I cannot obey your word. I cannot obey this commandment. I will choose this commandment, but I can't do this commandment because then that is not true surrender, true love to the living God. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. When we love the truth, when that, that is the meaning of abiding. That is a meaning of remaining in God. Sometimes we ask a lot, how do we abide in you? How do we remain in you? How do we remain faithful to you? Very simply, is to love the Lord and to love His Word. Obey God and obey His Word. And what is the benefit when we are abiding in Christ? When we obey His Word, we will receive answers to our prayers. We will remain in His love. We will, the Father is glorified because we will be fruitful. If we remain, Jesus says, apart from me, you cannot bear fruit in the parable of the vine. And also, when we bear fruit, we also glorify God. Then it is proof of true discipleship. Just now I mentioned about light. Jesus is the light of the world. He has come to reveal truth, expose falsehood, evil and darkness. Jesus is the standard. What He says as evil is evil. What He says is good is good. What He says is blessing is blessing. What Jesus says is curse is curse. And what Jesus says is disobedience is disobedience. And not only that, when we have Christ in us, we should reflect the truth of God, the life of God to others. And so Jesus also said that not only is He the light of the world, Jesus has sent us out also to be the light of the world. Our lives must reflect the truth and life of Jesus to others. Paul says in Ephesians, talking about how we relate to one another in the body of Christ that there are many ways to convey truth. There are many ways because we are all people of the truth and some people are very offensive in how they proclaim truth. Some people take the Bible and hit people with the truth. They whack people with the truth. And this is how you discourage people. This is how you offend people. And they say, the Bible says you are this. The Bible says you are that. The Bible says you are not doing right. Do you know what happens to this? Is we are using the name of God in vain. We are using something that we are not supposed. Remember, the guidance that God used is love. Every gift that we have, even if we are a teacher, even if we are a pastor, even if we are a leader, it must be moderated by love. And so, Paul says, speak the truth in love. Even if you have to tell somebody the truth, even if somebody is straying away, somebody is sinning, don't take the Bible and hit him with the Word of God but take the Word of God and begin to show love and say, God wants you to come back. God loves you so much that God don't, doesn't want you to be hurt, to be, to be in misery, to suffer because of disobedience. So building 
up one another, encouraging one another against false doctrines, teachings, and the deceitfulness of sin. The psalmist says, you desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. And this is something that we know that we not only know the truth, that Jesus is the truth, but God is telling us to also live the truth. Let our life be a life of truth. And so, truthfulness doesn't just, just stop with but truthfulness is also living out the truth. That means we are truthful to God. We are truthful to others. And most importantly, we must be truthful to ourselves. Because there's one person who can see everything and we know that is God. The challenge that we have today, the challenge of post Modernism, the challenge of these philosophers and the world and the context and the, that we have today, right now, whether it's in the West or whether it's in Asia, is that there is now more and more people are questioning whether there is such thing as absolute truth. People are challenging because they have given in to the idea that Feelings is more important. Emotions is more important. My personal well-being is more important. And when we begin to lift God out of knowledge, lift God out of truth, what happens is we begin to degenerate. Just like Paul mentioned in Romans. And God gave themselves up to lustful and sinfulness. And this is what is happening after years and years of taking God out of schools in America, not allowing prayers to be prayed. This is the result. Morality will go down. In a Barna poll, George Barna is the one who does surveys, especially of Christians, the world, and how the trends of the world, the culture of the world is coming into the church, and how the church is also influenced by the world. And one of, in, in, in a poll, he says that almost 70 over percent of Americans in a few years ago, when they were polled in a survey, they say that many of them don't believe there is such thing as absolute truth. That means what they're saying is that there's no God. There's no one God to depend on anything. Everything is based on your truth and my truth. And the, the, the second thing that really amazed me and also the church, is that they pulled 40% of Christians, evangelical Christians, and even the Christians says, begin to doubt whether there's absolute truth. Why? Because the world has, is creeping into the church. The ideologies is creeping. In the trainings, in the, in the schools, in the universities, they are speaking about secularism, intellectualism, living out God in as many things as possible. This is the danger when you do not fear God and you lift God out of knowledge, out of truth, out of government, out of school, out of teaching. We begin to degenerate. And that is why the worst, the most heinous crimes happens in a society, in a world that leaves God out of everything. And that's why some of the worst crimes you can see in America, the shooting, Satanism, worship of Satan is growing strong and now they are fighting for their rights to be recognized as their own religion. Worship of Satan. This is what happens. Do you know that I was just looking at a US dollar note. I was amazed that you turn on the reverse side of the note. In God we trust. At one time, this nation was started by Christians, by faithful men and women who said, the, the, the first few presidents says that we must differentiate ourselves from the pagans because when they came to the Americas, there were many people who don't believe in the true God. So he said that in order for us to differentiate, we must build our laws. We must come up with statutes that is from the Word of God. And that is how you the United States prospered to be such a very powerful nation. But along the way, they began to leave God out. It started with a coin 
started in 1800s with the coin in God we trust. In the 1900s, early 1900s, they put in in God we trust in the currency. The reason why is to say that we want to be different from the pagans. We want to ensure that everything is determined by the Word. Our laws are created based on the Word of God. But today, if we look at the new America today, they have strayed away when they have started to question God, started to leave God out of everything. And you see what is happening to America. That's why today, we must send our missionaries back to America. We must send our people. So our mission trip will not be just the 12 countries. If God is sending you to America, this is where they need to come back to the moral truth. Because now they said, everything else is acceptable. Homosexuality is acceptable. Killing of the fetus is acceptable. Pro-choice. Whereas God is pro-life. They have turned upside down the things of God when they have left. Even though the word God in God we trust is still in their currency. It's a matter of time before one day they will say, let's just drop this word. Or they can use, they can reinterpret in God we trust the God could be themselves because they reinterpret, they redefine what truth is. So can we live without absolute truth? The answer is a no. Because deep within us, God has put inside of us a moral conscience that we know what is right and what is wrong. Even though sometimes we disobey, but we know that we are wrong. We know what is true. Imagine when you and I, sometimes we see certain videos of injustice. What is the first reaction? You and I get angry, right? We wish we could do something about it. But the Malaysian style is not to do something about it. The Malaysian style is first to take photo. This is injustice instead of helping the person. Many times people take video cam filter of something is happening, snatch thief. But hey, what are you doing there? Are you not helping? But the first thing they do is to take photo. So this is what's happening right now. Because deep down within ourselves, we know there is a moral absolute. We know there is a right and there is a wrong. There is a good and there is a bad. How do we make decisions? if there is no right or wrong, if it's just your truth and my truth, it's just your preference and my preference. But this is how the thinking of the world is right now, right now in the world. If it doesn't harm anybody, whatever you do is right. If you feel right, just do it. Just like the motto of Nike, just do it. Because you just feel. So now, for them, Truth is very subjective. It's up to you and I. It's up to our emotions. And it's up to your circumstances. They apply truth in circumstances. Because of these circumstances, this is my version of truth. But brothers and sisters, let me just come back and remind you the reason why I started off that God is true. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And why we are the people of truth. Because I can tell you, we are going to be the last bastion the last defense of the truth in this world. Everybody else will have their own version of truth. Somebody was saying is that we believe that in a mountain there are many paths to go to God. When we talk about mountain, yes, for those who are going mountain climbing, hill climbing, you know that there are different routes you can take. The easy road, the difficult road, which is true. But what happens if you are going up the wrong mountain? So if you are not going up to the mountain of truth, no matter how fast you round out the mountain, no matter how difficult you have taken the most difficult choice, the difficult route, the path, at the end of the day, when you come to your end, you find out that you have not worshipped the one true God. You have not believed in the one true God. Because what you believe, who you trust, what is truth will determine our destiny, will determine has eternal significance. I, I confess this. During our last uh, pastoral meeting, I, because there's a sense that I don't want people to misunderstand, I told the pastors, I want to clarify something. Today, I happen to be preaching. And today, my wife happened to be worship leading. But please, we all didn't pakat. No. 
There is no pakatan here. You know, we didn't intentionally purpose. So sometimes you think, wow, they all two, huh? they all got something going on here. Yeah, well, of course, she's my wife. But in order to be truth, I was going to tell, because sometimes people can misunderstand how come you all need to preach and worship together at the same time. You know, is there more anointing? No, it's just that because the worship schedule is prepared by someone else. My wife doesn't prepare her worship schedule. The preaching schedule is prepared by the main pastor. So there is no, there is no sense of collaborating. There's no sense of chronism or nepotism here. So this is the area of truth that we are talking about. We must be truthful to God. One of the areas of truthfulness in the area is change of how the Word of God has changed my life. Is that we know that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness that the man of God may be approved or the man of God may be equipped for every good work. So the Word of God, I have to come back to the Word of God. And today, I have really to promote the Bible. Something so important. Something that even uh, our main pastor is asking us to go. And even our pastor Sunita, our equipped pastor, is asking us to get our journal. And the journal is just not a calendar. The journal, inside the journal, is a Bible reading plan for each day. And if you want something that is for two years, then get this separately. A two-year Bible reading plan. Because we can never know God enough. We can never try to guess what God is. We can never be fruitful unless we continue to remain in the Word of God. Continue in Christ. Continue in the Word of God. The Bible is the anchor, foundation, the point of reference, the ultimate standard for life. Do you know that without this book, we will also follow what the world is doing right now. Our standards will change, our morals will change, our ethics will change, and nothing is constant. It's always changing. But when you and I are people of the book, when you and I are lovers of the truth, this will be our anchor. This will be our foundation. This will be our point of reference and ultimate standard for life. I just take this illustration. You know that even as parents, we have young children, you know, young who are just learning to walk. Usually what will happen is that the father or mother will release the child. And the child, when being young, they are very curious. They will explore. And so every time they go a certain distance, they will look back at the parents and say, look for approval. Can I? Can I? So they will go. And then they will touch something. And again, they look back at their parents and say, Can I? Can I? But do you know what happens? Is that when the parents say no, when the parents give their usual expression, you know, to say no or scold, what happens is quickly the child will come back, will stop. And this is like the Word of God. The Word of God is like our point of reference. When we are going out of line, when we are going off the track, when we are straying away from God, when we are sinning, if we continue to be in the Word, if we continue to read it diligently every day, do you know what happens? God will speak to us. Sometimes people will say, but God doesn't speak to me. How come God speak to this person, that person? Have you opened your Bible? Because we have a closed Bible. If you open your Bible, God will speak to you. Can you say amen to that? That's why I put this as a priority even in my own life. Sometimes we think as a pastor, we have learned everything. No, there's so much to be learned. And we thank God even for Pastor Sunita. He's our equipped pastor. And this year, she has decided to even further her studies because she wants to be more further equipped to be a better teacher of the Word of God. And this is what we should be. We thank the Lord for the Bible school students. We thank the Lord for the church members who are going for our ESOM classes, the equip classes, who are going to certain Bible schools just to equip themselves. But the equip is for living, not for hate knowledge. Because unless the Word of God drops from the head to the heart, it will not transform us. It will not change us. It will not make a difference in our lives.
Jesus says the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Brothers and sisters, in an ever-changing world, in a morality that is upside down, ethics that have gone south, things that have changed, and people right now, people are confused what is right and what is wrong. What is acceptable and what is not acceptable? Do you know at this time in the US, every pastor is afraid to preach against homosexuality because there will be lawsuits. There will be people who will attack the church because they want to have the right to believe in what they choose to believe. So this is challenging times for you and I. But if you and I are people of the truth, even as Jesus was persecuted. Jesus was opposed. And when we are doing the same, when we continue to stand firm for the truth, people will challenge us. People will come against us. Even our own family members will come against us because we stand for the truth. We love people, yes. We care for people, yes. But at the same time, our whole life is founded on the truth of God. So if God is true. God doesn't change. If we are people of the truth, then sin is still sin. Adultery is still adultery. Fornication is still fornication. Homosexuality is still homosexuality. Lying is still a lying. Stealing is still stealing. Bribery and corruption is still bribery and corruption, not donation. Killing of a life is still murder, regardless of what we think. So, it's so important that we have a very important point of reference to stand on because we are going to, if we don't have the Word of God in us, we are going to be influenced by the world. We are going to doubt the Word of God. And that is what Satan come to do. Satan has come to deceive us, not to believe the Word of God. So what happens when you and I come to the Word of God? There is a truth confrontation. And every day, even as you listen to the sermon today, even as you sing the scripture today, even as you go to your time of prayer, even as you're, when you're, you're doing your own Bible reading, there must be a truth confrontation. That means we must give up. When it's between God and us, it is us who have to give up, not God. It's between God and us. God is true. We are the one who is lying. We are the one who is denying. Do you know that in the first, very first temptation where Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, can I ask the worship team to come back? When, they asked the, Holy, when, when the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, the first thing that the enemy, the devil came to test him was about food because he was hungry after 40 days. But Jesus, three times, Jesus mentioned, it is written. If Jesus need to use the word of God against Satan, the devil, against the world, you and I, how much more you and I need to know, need to quote. And mind, mind you, Satan also can quote scriptures. Satan says, it is also written. You know, Satan also can say, it is written. Satan says, God, you just jamla. God will put his angels charge over you. Satan also knows the Word of God. But the difference between Jesus and us is that we don't twist the Word of God to make us suit us, to make us comfortable, to make us happy. But we obey the Word of God. We listen to the Word of God. And that is how you and I are going to, even in the very first temptation, Jesus says, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is how we live, Christians. We live by the Word of God. That's why Jesus says, I am the bread of life. We are going to sing this song, then we are going to make a declaration before the Lord.
Then even as we make this our declaration. Jesus is Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. The Word of God is not to make us a smarter sinner, but to be more like Christ and be alike to others. We want to declare together the Word of God. We want to personalize the Word that even as we start off a brand new year, what is past is past. We want to have a truth encounter. We want our year to make a difference. We want truth to be everything that we do for the Lord Jesus Christ. That we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We pray according to the truth of God. We serve God according to the truth of God. We do business according to the truth that is revealed in God. We relate to one another according to the truth of God. Paul says in Corinthians, love rejoices in the truth. In all our relationships, truth is so important because this is the very nature of God. We are the people of truth. Let's declare this together as a church. Lord Jesus, You are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord Jesus, You are the light of the world. Whoever follows You will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Lord Jesus, in You, I will know the truth, and the truth will make me free. Lord Jesus, if You make me free, I will be free indeed. Lord Jesus, if I love you, I will keep your commandments. We are going to read from the Psalms. The Psalms, Psalm 119 is very powerful. May I encourage you to go back and read Psalms 119 because it speaks about the power of God's Word. It speaks about the eternal Word of God that continues to change and transform our life. Let's read together. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in His ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rule. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure by guiding it according to your word? With my whole heart, 
I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your righteousness is righteous forever and your law is true. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is true and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. And lastly, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Amen. Let's pray.